This is Boston Scott, and you're listening to the Birds Banter Podcast. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen do it. Screams from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need his theme music. No one man should have all that power. The clock's ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power. What's going on, Eagles Nation? Welcome to the Birds Banter Podcast. This is your host, Matt Loopy. You can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Loopy or Instagram at Matt Loopy 11. And today we are here to talk about the Eagles and Ravens game. The Eagles lost 30 to 28. Very hard fought game. The Eagles were down 17 to 0 at halftime, fought back and lost by only two points. Had a chance to tie it up at the end and end up failing. Again, this is the Birds Banter Podcast. We are presented to you by PHLSportsNation.com. Our podcasts come out every single Wednesday morning. So if you're not checking us out already, make sure you do so. Subscribe on your favorite platform. We also do weekly Instagram live videos Monday night at 8 p.m. to talk about the Eagles, answer your questions. And we're doing Eagles Film Room um, segments every single week now. We had one last week with a very experienced high school coach in Virginia. And then now we're doing another one or two this week, actually. So make sure you check out Instagram. They're on Birds Banter PHL and also YouTube Birds Banter. You can get all the Birds Banter film room content right to your phone. We have an awesome episode for today's and this week's episode. We're going to be talking to Adam Sloat, another student at Temple University. I had him on to talk about the Eagles and Ravens matchup, what we saw and what we're going to see of the Eagles going forward throughout the season. And then I'm also going to talk to Bobby Skinner, who's actually a host of a New York Giants podcast. Talk to him about the upcoming matchup against the Giants. Get his take on it. We give our projections, um, some bold predictions, and then where we see the Eagles and the Giants having advantages on the field Thursday night. So make sure you tune in to the entire episode. You don't want to miss these two huge interviews. Before we get into it, I have a few quick notes from the Eagles game. Number one. The Eagles offense looked entirely flat against the Ravens. They ended up going scoreless through the first half. They were down 17 to zero. It's not like the Ravens were doing anything crazy. It's just the Eagles offense was not talented enough to put points on the board. The offensive line could not block Carson Wentz to save their lives. And I feel bad for Carson Wentz because he got a lot of hate at the start of the season. Now that he's starting to improve, he has no help on the offensive line. Nobody is giving him any sort of protection And he's not getting anywhere close to three seconds to throw the ball every play. So it's really troubling to see Carson Wentz finally try to take matters into his own hands and improve at the quarterback position. But all of a sudden, the offensive line is falling apart around him. They're down four starters. The only starter left is Jason Kelsey, the heart of the offensive line. I couldn't imagine what would happen if Jason Kelsey goes down. So knock on wood, that never happens. But Carson Wentz improvised a lot. You know, they were struggling on offense, couldn't put anything together. All of a sudden, Jalen Hurts comes in. He gets a 20-yard run, really sparks the Eagles' offense. Jalen Hurts was in the field, onto the field a couple more times the game. I believe he had seven total snaps um, in the entire game. But Jalen Hurts provided the spark for the Eagles' offense. Carson Wentz turned that spark into a fire. Carson Wentz brought the Eagles together from this fuel from Jalen Hurts, this electric mobile quarterback that can run the ball, throw the ball, catch the ball, whatever. He can do it all. Carson Wentz got that motivation from Jalen Hurts, 
in the Eagles offense, and he started moving the ball downfield. He started targeting his guy, Travis Fulgham. Unfortunately, Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz go down with an injury, um, but Carson Wentz, he looked pretty good. He was making great throws. He had very, very bad drops from John Hightower, the third play of the game. If you guys remember what play I'm talking about, the first two plays of the game, the Ravens brought the heat. They sacked Carson Wentz for the first play. After that, um, I believe it was a run to Miles Sanders. Sanders had nowhere to go. So Carson Wentz is saying, hey, they're not respecting the deep ball. They're bringing seven, eight players on the rush. I just need to air it out. He throws a perfect ball to John Hightower, who had a few yards of separation. Honestly, it could have been a touchdown because John Hightower is a very fast receiver. Hit him right in the hands, right through his hands. So that was a very unfortunate drop to start the game. Also, later in the game, I believe the second quarter, he throws a perfect, perfect throw to Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders, for some reason, nobody was around him, but he was looking for a back shoulder throw. Uh, I don't really get why he was running that sort of route when he could have flipped his hips earlier and put himself into position to catch the ball. But as he sees the ball in the air, he starts to flip his hips, and he was just not coordinated enough to you know, flip his hips and get his hands up to catch the ball. So Miles Sanders drops a touchdown. John Hightower drops a potential touchdown. If those two balls win the Eagles' favor, this would be a very, very different outcome for the Eagles. So obviously there's a lot of negatives because the Eagles did lose, but there are some positives, and the Eagles are playing a lot better than I would expect against a very good Ravens team and despite all of these injuries. Before I get into these interviews, I want to bring up a conversation that I had today. So on Friday, I mentioned the Birds Banter Film Room episodes. On Friday, you're going to get a brand new Birds Banter Film Room episode. You guys might recognize his voice. He's been on the show before. I'm not going to give it away if you guys are a new listener because I think you'll be excited once you hear his title and his football background. So I was talking to a new guest for Birds Banter Film Room today. We were breaking down some film for the Eagles-Ravens game, and this will be out on YouTube and Instagram Friday, so make sure you check it out. But I'm going to give you a little sneak peek and a great quote that he gives me um, towards the end of our call. We're talking about the Eagles. We're talking about the injuries. And he really shows, you know, I'm one that has criticized Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson both this year because I want to keep it real with you guys. Not everything is all good and well in Philly with the sports teams, especially the Eagles. So rather than saying, hey, they're struggling, but, you know, they won a Super Bowl. Carson Wentz has shown that he can be an MVP quarterback. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl as a head coach. No, I want, you know, production every single year. So if they're struggling, I'm going to call it out. And that's something I've been doing. But I also want to consider an outsider's point of view. So this guest really looked at it from an outsider's point of view. He's not an Eagles fan. He doesn't, you know, has no connection to the Eagles, but he understands that Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson are very valuable to this football team. Check it out. Philly, what you mentioned, one thing you mentioned, last thing I'll say, y'all got to have some greats for Doug as well as Carson, because like you said, to only have one starting O-lineman mm-hmm. that you start the season with, where the receivers is banged all the way up. You yeah. know, you got Jalen Rager with first round pick. He's been hurt. Mm-hmm. You got Alshon hurt. Deshaun's been hurt. It's not all on Carson. And people right. need to realize that. I know he's a quarterback, but if you don't have the right pieces around you, you'll never succeed. It doesn't matter how good you are. So just something as I watch ball, that's a losing personnel like that is a big deal. It's not small, you know, so something to keep in mind as well. I thought that was an awesome quote there because you know, like I said, we are we tend to criticize Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson a good amount as Eagles fans. 
And, you know, they have made mistakes. They have put the Eagles in tough situations. Carson Wentz is struggling with turnovers. Doug Peterson, a little bit questionable on the play calling. However, we can't nitpick every single thing that this team does wrong. Because when you look back, and we're going to get into this with um, Adam here in a second, but with all the injuries, the Eagles have suffered many injuries in the past couple of years, but it's nothing compared to what they're dealing with this season, especially the offensive line. Carson Wentz has no weapons around him. He just lost two more in Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz. There is nobody around Carson Wentz to perform. Yes, he is developing a connection with Travis Fulgham, but every week, Carson Wentz is practicing with new players. Doug Peterson is making a brand new game plan for a new opponent, but new offensive weapons as well. I mean, the Eagles have had over 20 starters so far this season, and we're on week seven. So I think taking a step back, Fans should really appreciate what Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson are doing. Yes, it's not perfect, but they're trending in the right direction, and they're doing great things with the hand that they've been dealt. All right, we're going to bring Adam on in a second here, but before, I want to remind you guys about our sponsors at Thrive Fantasy. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports betting app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in a respective sport. They have bets for the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, and eSports. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $1.4 million in prizes since launching in 2018, and if you want to get in on the action, use code BBP when you sign up today, and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 when you deposit $20 or more. Again, download the Thrive Fantasy app on the App Store or the Play Store, or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up, prop up today, and use code BBP to get an instant deposit of up to $50. All right, today to talk about the Eagles-Ravens game, we have Adam Sloat. Adam is a student at Temple University, one of my friends through sport and tourism hospitality management major. Adam, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Really excited to talk about this this, uh, yet another Eagles loss, but, you know, there's things to talk about, so... Definitely. Um, so looking at the game, the Eagles lost 30 to 28, very close, a lot better than a lot of people expected against a very good Ravens defense and Lamar Jackson at quarterback. So they kind of held their own after being down 17 to zero at halftime. Eagles came storming back. Carson Wentz almost led them to a come uh, comeback victory. Now, a couple weeks ago, Adam, you said that uh, you're losing a little bit of faith in Carson Wentz. Has your mindset changed at all about Carson um, after what he showed on Sunday? You know what? I honestly would like to eat my words a little bit. I think I think I was a little bit thrown off by just how bad some of those throws looked early on in the season. There were some that were, you know, just plain old all Carson's fault. Um, but now that I, I'm seeing a little more, the passer rating is still not there. He's still rated as one of the lower tier guys in the league. Um, but it's tough to, to really put, put a whole lot together when you're constantly being pressured and hit and knocked down. And even when he's had time to, when he's had time to throw, he's starting to land those throws that I wasn't sure he was going to be able to make, um, early on in the game, 
when he threw that deep ball that John Hightower unfortunately could not catch mm-hmm. or should have caught but did not. Pretty well-placed ball. Really big fan of that throw. And then later when he connected with Hightower, I was thinking, okay, well, I never would have expected him to hit those throws earlier in the season. It seems like he's starting to find his stride a little bit. So I was wrong about Carson earlier. I think he's he's the path forward. It just took a little bit of time, probably because you know didn't have a lot of preseason time, lot didn't have a lot of practice time. So I'm sorry, Carson. <laughs> Hope you're not listening to me. weren't listening to me back then, but you know, I'm glad you're picking it up now. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, the first two three weeks, he did not look good at all. It's not the Carson Wentz that we know and love as Eagles fans and cause a lot of uh, controversy in Philly, but he's stepped it up these past two weeks, put up 57 combined points against two very good defenses in the league. So it's very promising. But besides Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts was involved. Miles Sanders had a big run. Travis Fulgham, yet again, another great game out of him. Um, What other positives did you see from the Eagles game against the Ravens? So like you said, one of the big positives that I had from this this Sunday was that they didn't stop competing and they didn't mm-hmm. stop competing against the Steelers either. The defense mostly held them in the game and Carson was able to start to string some passes together in that second in that second half. Um, the Baltimore defense is one of the best units in the league as a as a group and seeing the Eagles staying in it and competing even when they were down 17 zip was really encouraging to see. I'm not sure how much of that is like the Ravens starting to ease up on the pressure. We did see um, some penalties decline that I think probably should have been accepted on by the Ravens. But um, if they could keep it a little closer at the halves and start out a little stronger than zero points in the first half, I think the Eagles have a better chance at winning this game. And they still had a great chance at, you know, tying it up at at the very least. Um, As far as Jalen Hurts, I'm really excited to see him start to get the chance to actually, you know, get the keys to the offense a little bit. I understand he just got drafted and that there was virtually no preseason. So he was kind of being eased into the playbook. Um, but he looked great as a runner in, in the two, three times he had the ball. Um, deked out a couple of guys, turned two rushes into 23 yards um, during the Ravens game. I like to see him you know, throw the ball a little more, give him a chance to, to run a, like a, even more than a couple of plays at a time. But um, I understand why Doug Peterson's starting to like ease him into the game a little bit. But the offense seems to find a different kind of dimension when he's in the game alongside or just by himself. Yeah, they looked completely flat um, when the offense started on the field. It took them forever to get a first down. Then all of a sudden, Jalen Hurts comes in, picks up 20 yards like it was easy. So Jalen Hurts really provided a spark for this offense. And then Carson Wentz wrote on that spark. So it's good to see that Doug is starting to incorporate both of them into the offense at the beginning of the season and the off season, when everybody hated the Jalen hurts pick, they're saying, this is Carson Wentz team. We don't want him on the field, but now you're seeing that if Wentz and the offensive line is struggling, Jalen hurts can be used as a weapon. And with so many injuries on offense, we're going to get to that in a second here. Jalen Hurts should be used as a weapon. He's not just a quarterback. I know when he was drafted, Doug Peterson said he's a quarterback first, but you see the way he runs the ball. Um, You can see what he can do with Carson Wentz on the field at the same time. That run um, with Miles Sanders, the 74-yard run that he fumbled at the end, and then J.J. Ortega-Whiteside recovered for the touchdown, that was set up because Jalen Hurts 
you know, ran an end around and the defense completely bid on it. So he provides so much to the team. Unfortunately, this loss, this close loss, costed them a couple more players to injury. The two biggest ones, Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz. Among them, Jack Driscoll, Kayvon Wallace also went down. Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz are going to be out probably up until the bye. Ertz probably a little bit longer than that. How do you think the Eagles offense is going to adjust uh, with these two key playmakers out? So, Matt, my official, my official, my initial thought on this um, this offense without Miles Sanders and, and Ertz is oy vey. <laughs> now, on second look, I would say let's see what we can do with Travis Fulgham, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's shown some good promise. I would expect to see a, a couple more targets come his way each game. He's shown that he can handle it a little bit. I, I would love to see Wentz and Fulgham develop a rapport um, just so that we can see more growth going forward between them. Um, I also want to see more. I would hope that they would design more runs for Wentz and even some more Jalen Hurts plays. Um, we've seen Boston Scott and Corey Clement in kind of limited action thus far. But in that limited action, Boston Scott is averaging just over three yards a carry this season. Clement is averaging 2.7 right now. So I don't know that the running game is going to be the same without Miles Sanders. They don't have someone who can run between the tackles in the same way. Mm -hmm. And if they do, it's like Tyler Huntley or Adrian Killens Jr. who just are not ready to do that just yet. So I'd rather see the QBs kind of try to pick up some of that slack um, with their own design runs than have like the discount versions of Darren Sproles try to pick up four to five yards on each play. So um, I don't want to see a lot of handing the ball off. I know Doug Peterson loves to do that. He he wants to, to set up the run a little bit, give Carson a couple of breaks, but went through the ball 40 times during this game against the Ravens. I would expect him to easily touch 40, maybe even pass over 40. Yeah, definitely. I think the running game will definitely hurt because um, in the offseason, they were supposedly looking for running backs, decide to pass on Devontae Freeman, Carlos Hyde, LaShawn McCoy, bringing him back, and Miles Sanders was the guy. Then now that he's hurt, like you said, Boston Scott is the next man up, and although he had two great games against the Giants last year, he's not a lead running back in the NFL. He can you know, be a gadget player, step in when need be, but if, or if Sanders is out for an extended period of time, Boston Scott is not the guy who can lead them with 20 touches per game. So that's very troubling, um, but I agree. I hope Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts can both run the ball more effectively and get some yards on the ground that way. Zach Ertz, he's been struggling a lot this year, hasn't really put up many stats at all, and it might seem that lo- like losing him isn't going to be a big effect on the team. However, when you watch him, he's still getting a lot of attention, a top safety, a top cornerback. Um, I believe Jalen Ramsey was on him when they played the Rams. So Zach Ertz is getting a lot of attention. He's just not getting the stats. So now all of a sudden, the best defensive back on the opposing uh, opposing defense is now available to go on the Eagles wide receivers and running back. So it kind of hurts them a little bit more. I hope Travis Fulgham can um, play a little bit, a little bit better against better competition but uh, it's tough, especially with Dallas Goddard out. He's still got that fractured ankle, so it's not like you have the great number two to step in and play for Ertz. It's down to Jason Kroom, Richard Rodgers, and Hakeem Butler. So Eagles probably won't be running as much 12 personnel. They're going to rely on these wide receivers. Hopefully Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson will come back soon. Um, going 
back again to the Ravens. You mentioned the two-point conversion at the end of the game that could have tied the game up. They were very close. They end up running a read option, and it's pretty questionable in my opinion. I didn't like the play call. doesn't work out at all. I mean, if no matter what happened, Carson Wentz or Boston Scott wouldn't score on that play, no matter who was running it in. The Ravens just read it really well. Um, Doug Peterson has some questionable play calls this season so far. So looking at the Eagles' 1-4-1 one, and one start, how much blame do you place on Doug Peterson, who's not only the head coach, but the offensive coordinator and offensive play caller? So on Doug Peterson, do I think he could be doing better? Absolutely. The play call at the end was just pretty puzzling and it just, it, it looked bad from basically from the outset. And I don't want to just continually agree with you, but that is more or less how I saw it too. It was just, it was just bad. Mm. Not, I wasn't expecting the Eagles to win that game like at all, but a better two point conversion would have been nice. Um, so the Doug Peterson we saw in 2017, I think probably would have called a little more gutsy of a fake or something to try to even the score. And I would have been happy to see him try something aggressive. Um, and I wish that Doug would be a little more aggressive, to be honest with you. Yeah. You mentioned the offense looking a little bit one dimensional and, and so on before. And I, I completely agree with you. I would like him to be more aggressive just overall. Go for it on fourth downs, go for two, throw the ball deep. Even if it's not to John Hightower, just throw the ball deep. Um, I feel like now that we're, the Eagles are 1-4-1, and one, they don't really have a lot to lose at this point. So if they win a few games, great. If not, it's not really a big deal to try, try some new things considering they've already dug themselves into this big hole. I can't see them you know, turning the whole season around and ripping off a Super Bowl run. But, I mean, at this point, anything's possible. Um, I would rather see us go for it on a fourth down at about midfield than just punt it away and see what the defense can do. Um, as far as Doug overall, I think he's been dealt a pretty unfair hand this year. Mm -hmm. There's not really much you can do when seven of your top eight offensive linemen are injured and your all your wide receivers are injured and you just run into this gauntlet of really good teams like the Rams, the Steelers, the Ravens. Like that, There's nothing he could really do about that. And I really do respect Doug Peterson. I think he has done a phenomenal job with the team three straight years in the playoffs. And the one year where people weren't injured, they won the Super Bowl. So like, I mean, besides Carson Wentz, obviously, but I'm, I'm behind Doug Peterson hundred percent. He gets a lot of flack from, from the fan base, but I think Doug Peterson, maybe outside of spicing it up a little bit on the play calling, I think he's done a pretty good job. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm a little bit torn on him as well. But, um, you know, you mentioned the Super Bowl year. And back then, it looked like the Eagles were the most injured team in the NFL. They lost Jason Peters, Carson Wentz, Darren Sproles, Jordan Hicks, to name a few. It looked like they were down a bunch of starters. And then now you look at the team right now, and they have two remaining offensive starters. It's, it's nothing. Yeah, we don't even know. In, we didn't even know injuries at that point. Right. Yeah. You, you took it for granted almost. Um, now you see, you know, a player might return on a given week. You know, you might get Deshaun Jackson back on Thursday, but who's to say the Eagles aren't going to lose three more players. So, um, I agree with you. Doug Peterson is not set up for success this year because of the injuries, um, down to only one starting offensive lineman projected, you know, you're losing backups. Even wide receivers are, you know, so banged up. They spent all off season trying to improve wide receiver in. I know people love to give Howie Roseman um, 
some, you know, criticism for what he does, but he did what he was supposed to do. He brought in draft picks or wide receivers. He got it. Uh, Marquise Goodwin from the trade. I know he opted out for the, for COVID, but I mean, he's done what he could do to put the Eagles in a position to win. He can't predict injuries. So now that the Eagles are so, you know, so short and so thin at multiple positions, it's tough to win football games. The fact that they play the Steelers and played the Ravens so close is very impressive in my mind. Yes, we can nitpick every single play and say, hey, Doug Peterson should have done this. But at the end of the day, it looks like, especially in the second half, he did what he could to put the ball in his playmaker's hands. He was targeting Travis Fulgham. He was making sure Carson Wentz was getting the right play calls. And he was getting the ball to Miles Sanders before he got injured. So I do like what I'm seeing out of Doug Peterson. I think a lot of times we just take the success for granted and say, Doug Peterson made the playoffs the last three years. He won a Super Bowl. We should be getting that every single year. But that's not the case in the NFL. That's very rare. Um, before we wrap up, the Eagles are in a sticky situation right now. They're 1-4-1. and They have two divisional games coming up against the Giants and against the Cowboys before their bye week, and that's about the trade deadline coming up then. If they win, they're you know surprisingly in a situation where they can win the NFC East at just 3-4-1. and They can go on a run and win the NFC East at a very poor record. But if they lose both of them and go to one, six and one, they're pretty much out of contention. So that these next two games can determine if they want to be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline. If the Eagles are going to be buyers and bring in new players via trade, what position would you target the most? So there are basically three main positions that I think the Eagles are pretty sorely lacking in. Um, and this is assuming that they are their buyers at the trade deadline. Conventional wisdom says offensive line because it's the place that, that they're most shorthanded at. They're now down to like their third string tackle. Like I said earlier, they're missing seven of their top eight offensive linemen. Uh, Matt, Matt Pryor, I think, should be coming back soon because he was out due to COVID. Um, I think offensive line would be a pretty good choice to upgrade. However, I would say that long-term, he, whoever they deal for is not going to be like a premier starter. I would think, I don't think Howie Roseman would want to give up all kinds of draft picks just to upgrade for one season at offensive line. So that of course would be a priority if the Eagles were, were buying and were looking to compete, but I would almost rather try to upgrade at linebacker or even at corner because linebacker has looked a little little shaky this season. Um, and I'm not just talking about Nate Gary, although he certainly is one of the people that I would like to never have to play again. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you some stats here on Eagles versus tight ends, arguably a group that the linebackers are, are pretty responsible for. Uh, George Kittle went for 15 receptions, 183 yards against the Eagles. Tyler Higby, five receptions, 54 yards and three touchdowns. Eric Ebron, five catches, 43 yards. That's not necessarily great play against tight ends. It's not good at all. Um, and I think linebacker would be my top position to upgrade just because the Eagles keep getting burned on these like short little plays, middle plays, stuff that the linebackers are responsible for. Um, other types of plays that I think the Eagles continually keep getting burned on that addressing um, the linebacker core would help with um, are those like little end around plays. Mm -hmm. 
um, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup in that game against the Rams, they both broke off pretty significant chunk plays against the Eagles on these little jet sweeps and end arounds. And then um, more recently, Ray Ray McLeod from the Steelers game, I think he went for like 50 something yards on one of those plays. So um, I would love to see the Eagles address that and sort of take steps to prevent the short little dink and dunk passes that seem to be really doing them in. Um, just a little fun fact here, a list of the former Eagles linebackers that are still playing in the league that Howie Roseman definitely could have, or at least attempted to resign here. We've got LJ Fort, who is ranked 14th among linebackers in pro football focuses, player grades. Camu Grugier Hill is 22nd among linebackers. Both of those are better than any Eagles linebacker currently among pro football focus player grades. And then Jordan Hicks is 44th. Um, and then finally, the third position that I think the Eagles could address is cornerback. The cornerback group has been less than ideal outside of Darius Slay. He's been pretty good. Um, not his, his old lockdown self, but definitely good enough to be a starting corner. But outside of Slay, Avante Maddox, Cravon LeBlanc, Nikel Roby Coleman, they have all looked pretty shaky at best, basically. And I think the real the defense has looked pretty decent. Like I said earlier, they've kept us in games, but it's because the defensive line is such a strength that it kind of covers up some of these other weaknesses like corner, like linebacker. Um, and being able to upgrade in those places would turn this unit into better than about average to, I think, something that could keep the offense in games if it struggles. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I have the same top three offensive line, obviously, because there's a ton of injuries. Eagles prioritize that group a lot as far as their financial um, you know, cap space. They put a lot of money towards the offensive line. On defense, linebacker, you hit it right. You know, um, the game against the Rams, the 49ers, Higby and Kittle just tore up the Eagles. It was easy for them. Also against the Steelers, Eric Ebron had a pretty good stat line, but also Chase Claypool coming out of Notre Dame. He was a player similar to like Darren Waller uh, now with the Raiders. He, he can run like a wide receiver, but he's got the size of a tight end. So, you know, you can even say that the linebackers are pretty uh, – you know, responsible for his stat line, the four touchdowns. I mean, we saw that Nate Gary let up the fourth touchdown there. So linebacker definitely needs some help. But I would say try to give the rookies some time to develop. Sean Bradley played about 40% of snaps. He looked pretty good in run defense. Davion Taylor, about 15% of snaps. He's a good coverage guy. So if the Eagles can incorporate them more, Alex Singleton is playing really well. I think if they try to develop a better group of younger guys, they might be set up for the future pretty well. Corner, I mean, Darius Slay, he's been great on the outside. Opposing uh, wide receiver ones haven't really had great games, especially when they're across from Darius Slay. On the other side, Avante Maddox has been hurt. The um, nickel corners in LeBlanc and Roby Coleman have been what you expected. And, you know, you see players like Rasul Douglas, who the Eagles let go. He's one of the top cornerbacks in the, in the league right now. Sidney Jones is putting up great plays. It's clear that Jim Schwartz needs corners that fit his scheme. Obviously, Jones and Douglas didn't fit the scheme because they were let go, and um, they're playing a lot better now. So if they look at the market right now and they say, this is someone that fits our scheme better than Avante Maddox, go get them. I'd rather, I'd rather overspend and get somebody that you want and that can fit your system 
rather than just wasting draft picks of the future, trying to make it work with other guys that have a lot of upside. Um, so that's my take on it. There's a lot, there's a lot of things to improve for the Eagles, but Adam definitely appreciate you coming on and, uh, giving your thoughts as well. So, uh, thank you again. If you want to uh, plug your social media accounts, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, um, Mr. Adster 99. I write for, um, uh, baseball website called pitcher list and i edit for a football website called qb list so feel free to check me out check those sites out um happy to be here thanks for having me matt yeah definitely thanks again adam again a big thank you to adam for joining the podcast i think that was a great conversation to have to talk about what the eagles are doing well but also keep pointing out the negatives try to get them some improvements on the season the eagles have a long ways to go before they improve but like we said these next two games are crucial, and if they end up winning against the Giants and the Cowboys, they could honestly try to be buyers at the deadline and target positions like offensive line, cornerback, and linebacker to try to boost this offense and defense and hopefully make a run out of very weak division and try to win the NFC East with minimal wins, sadly. Again, this is the Birds Banter Podcast. You can find us on any single podcast platform every single Wednesday morning. And as you guys know, the Birds Banter Podcast is sponsored by Manscaped. Autumn is in the air, and Manscaped is here to ensure you don't carve your pumpkins when you're grooming. By pumpkins, we mean your actual boys downstairs. In fact, Manscaped is on a mission to change the way you approach caring for your balls. And great news, they just released their products in the UK, Canada, and Australia. I know we have some international viewers, so if you guys are in the UK, Canada, or Australia, now you can get your hands on some Manscaped products on manscaped.com. You guys know the drill. After an Eagles loss, especially the heartbreaking loss against the Ravens, the last thing you want to worry about is having any mistakes trimming below the waist. Let's not forget it's the best trimmer for your butt, balls, and body. The Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer offers a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin-safe technology, which helps reduce grooming accidents. Their new Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer uses the same skin-safe technology when you're trimming those delicate nose hairs of yours. The Crop Care Kit includes the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. Everyone knows pumpkin spice lattes and ball deodorant go hand in hand. The Crop Cleanser Body Wash, a full body wash that you can use on your hair. Crop Mop Ball Wipes, you never know when an opportunity strikes, so you should always be prepared. Plus, you don't want to stink when you sit around the Thanksgiving dinner. If you suffer from stank foot or stand on your feet all day, then I have the product for you. The Foot Duster Foot Deodorant Free Gift is a cooling tea tree oil offers a pleasant experience for the stinkiest feet and allows you to get off your shoes in confidence. The Manscaped Refined Cologne is the most cost-effective way to smell clean and fresh for your date. And finally, the Crop Cleanser Hair and Body Wash was designed with aloe vera and sea salt to leave your skin clean, fresh, moisturized, and reinvigorated. These formulas are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free, so you know your Manscaped is in good hands. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with code PHL. Again, get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with code PHL. Make your balls a priority this fall. The Eagles are going to be back on the field very momentarily. They're going to be playing the Giants Thursday night, Thursday night football. Eagles have a great opportunity to get back in the win column. I know the Giants aren't the best team, but 
you know, the Eagles are struggling as well. They're pretty banged up on both offense and defense. I'm hoping they're going to get back Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, maybe Avante Maddox. You know, it's kind of questionable for all three of them, but we'll see what the Eagles get. Hopefully, they can start to get some, you know, players back from injury because that would definitely help them. But to talk about the Eagles-Giants matchup, I'm bringing on Bobby Skinner. He's a podcast host for a New York Giants site. Really um, great conversation with Bobby to talk about the different advantages and disadvantages for both teams, but also what we're, we're predicting to see Thursday night. So hope you guys enjoy my conversation with Bobby. All right, to wrap up this podcast, we're going to have Bobby Skinner on. Bobby is the host of Talking Giants. If we have Giants um, fans coming on to hear you, Bobby, you know, plug yourself, tell them where they can find you, where you uh, talk all about Giants football. Matt, I appreciate uh, jumping on with you. It's always fun to talk with the Wegman guys. Um, even uh, even if it's the Eagles Nation section, it's good talking <laughs> with you guys. Uh, like I said, it's Talking Giants podcast. We do a, we've been doing a lot more YouTube. It's videos, film breakdowns, um, and then the podcast is a few times a week. You know, uh, you know, follow me at Bobby Skinner underscore. Um, if you're on Instagram, Facebook is at Talking Giants. So yeah, but, I mean, basically that's that's it. Uh, we just try and do our homework and be as level headed as possible with some homerism in there too. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, definitely looking forward to the game Thursday against the Giants. Um, Going into this season, I got to be honest, the way the Eagles had the roster set up, I thought that, you know, the Giants were going to be two easy wins on the season. Now, all of a sudden, the Eagles are decimated with injuries. The Giants have, you know, not the record doesn't really show much positive for the Giants, but they've been in every single game that they've played. They've shown some upside. So first things first, before we get into stuff about the Giants, whether you've watched the Eagles so far this season or whether you've just read about them, what have you seen from the Philadelphia Eagles, either positive or negative, that you're looking forward to on Thursday? Well, negative is basically your guys' O-line is banged up like all hell. Like, it's banged up, and it's it's getting to Wentz. Um, and then with Wentz, it's like he's still, like, putting together these crazy – like, he's the one that's keeping you guys in games or giving you guys a chance, but he's also having some bad turnovers. I know um, – with your wide receiver injuries, Fulgham, um, mm-hmm. has he stepped up in that Pittsburgh game, and I think he did. But I, I was watching you guys versus the Ravens, and I saw someone being like, Carson, and the Eagles didn't get a first down until Jalen Hurts came in. It's like, yeah, but that yeah. first drive, Wentz had a bomb, mm-hmm. and it got dropped. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's some context to it, but it does look like you guys have been decimated, like injuries, probably more than any team in the NFL at this point. Yeah, de- definitely. Um, so you mentioned Carson Wentz. He's been up and down so far, but it seems like he's starting to improve. And unfortunately, when he's starting to improve, the wide receivers just aren't catching the ball. Um, John Hightower had a dropped deep pass. Miles Sanders had a um, dropped touchdown. So going into Thursday, the Eagles aren't getting much healthier at all. In fact, they're losing Miles Sanders, they're losing Zach Ertz. They might get a few receivers back into Sean Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. But how concerned are you about facing Carson Wentz? Is he still a threat in your mind? Yeah, he's the only thing, honestly, we're worried about on that on this offense because our defense has been pretty good. And, and Patrick Graham, our new defensive coordinator, I've kind of fallen in love with him because he does different stuff. So it's like each week, you know, there's some defensive coordinators where it's like, okay, he runs cover too. He like they run the base of a, a, a variety of the same stuff. Where Graham, it's different week to week. Where it's like I expected one thing as Washington got something totally different. So I'm excited to see it, but also my worry is is that now Wentz is much better than Trubisky, but 
Trubisky was the type where we rushed three on him and he made crazy plays on his leg with his legs outside the pocket and didn't give up on plays. And it opened easy stuff downfield and big plays. So that is my only worry is that I think you guys water Cedars versus RDBs. Like the quick stuff, it's not going to be there. But what worries me is Wentz just improvising like crazy and finding someone wide open on a blown coverage down the field. Those are, that's really the only thing we're worried about is the big plays because the, the, play in play out stuff where I mean that's as a Giants fan just because you guys are so banged up up front we're not totally worried about that yeah it's going to be tough for Carson Wentz to get any time because as you saw he was sacked plenty of times against the Ravens I would expect the Giants to try to bring the pressure and get him out of the pocket so um, you talked about the defense a little bit but overall where do you see that the Giants might have an advantage on Thursday night (sighs) on the defense one I think they're gonna they're gonna try and scheme some pressure to confuse Wentz, and I think it, I really think it's Patrick Graham as the defensive coordinator, um, because you have Bradbury, Blake Martinez, guys who have been clear upgrades for the Giants, just trying to bait Wentz into making backbreaking mistakes. I I think that would be the hope as a Giants fan is that, yeah, like I said before, Wentz will have some mistake like some big plays, but it's trying to bait him into these backbreaking mistakes, kind of the same way teams have been doing against the the Giants with Jones where it's they do it in a little different way but they're kind of banking on not getting the big plays and Jones having a mistake or two each game so I think that's our you know obviously getting intercept turnovers everyone has that part of their game plan but I think Graham is going to throw some exotic stuff and he's done it week in and week out so I think that'll be like the game plan is is the advantage of being Graham doing stuff that totally screws up you know what they're trying to do and getting the Eagles off schedule. Absolutely. That's kind of what the Ravens did um, against the Eagles in the first half. And they were scoreless. They were down 17 to zero. And then finally they made um, some improvement. They improved a little bit and, you know, ended up losing the game by only two points. So when I look at Thursday night, two keys to victory for the Eagles, number one, the Eagles got to limit the big playability of Darius Slayton. When the Eagles played the giants in week four, 14, I want to say um, yeah. last year, their first matchup, Darius Slayton got off to a huge start with Eli Manning at quarterback. Um, it was a threat. And really that was, in my opinion, that was, you know, his coming out in the NFL showing that he was a legitimate deep threat for the giants and he could be a number one option for them in the future. So it's, it's kind of unique. You got Darius Slayton against Darius Slay um, yeah. most likely throughout the game. So hopefully Slay can have a great game. He's been pretty good this season um, but also on offense, if the Eagles want to score points without Miles Sanders, Boston Scott has to be the one to take over. I think that might be a name that irks you a little bit because oh, last, yeah. <laughs> the last season he had, I think, five combined touchdowns for two games. He owned the Giants. So um, Boston Scott hasn't done much so far this season, but th- now's the time to step up. You know, he's had success against the Giants, and now's the time with Miles Sanders out. Boston Scott is the lead guy. So for the Giants to win, what are two key victories for them? Well, it, the offense has been abysmal, and I won't – I'll spare you me preaching about why I can't stand Jason Garrett. And I'm a patient person, so, you know, but Jason Garrett has been abysmal. It's one, can Slayton win some matchups against Darius Slay? Uh, when we played Detroit last, last year, Slay was out for that. So we haven't seen that matchup of the, you know, two, you know, guys who call themselves big play Slay. It's – can we get some open, like broken coverages against Schwartz? I think he runs like a cover three scheme. 
get some broken coverages, wide open guys, and not having to do. Well, let me ask you this. Does your defense, are they like jumping at plays? Are they taking risks? Or are they kind of just like sitting back and letting stuff happen underneath? Um, most of the time they've been aggressive, but with injuries, they're kind of playing off ball. Um, Avante Maddox, their second corner has been hurt. So they've been, you know, playing a little bit more zone than man. So I think, especially now with a beat up linebacker core and just, you know, nobody good at linebacker, they're a little bit less aggressive. So I'm not sure what Schwartz is going to do against the giants, but it's been very up and down for so far. So what I'll say is the key is because, you know, I'm not, unless Jason Garrett changes the way he's done things is simply to be able to run the ball on first and second down because that's what Garrett does as much as I dislike it. That's what he does <laughs> because you guys, you know, your defensive line is probably your only healthy group mm-hmm. um, and our offensive line um, has struggled. They're not, you know, they're not putrid, but they have struggled. So is winning those battles and giving Jones some opportunities to take shots because we're not like last year where it was take a shot, take a shot, take a shot, take a shot where this year it's, quick 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 and then maybe once or twice take a shot so basically getting being able to get first down runs that are four yards or more instead of like we've been all year and second and 12 second 11 because we haven't been able to move the ball on first down yeah that'd be huge for the giants because it definitely tears down the eagles d line as well which is their strongest unit on the entire field so far so right before we wrap up can you give me a score prediction or any bold predictions you might have for Thursday night? Now, I always predict the Giants to win, even if I mm-hmm. don't think they're going to win. I always, <laughs> I always predict the Giants to win, um, and my prediction is always 77-0. to zero. Now, I won't, I'll, I'll give you a real prediction. I won't give you a score, but I'll say the Giants will win by four points. Four points. points. And my bold prediction is that Darius Slayton wins the matchup versus Darius Slay. That'll wow. be that. That'll be my prediction. I think Shepard's going to play, so there'll be some focus on him, and I think Jones is going to take one-on-one shots with Slayton, and he's going to win a couple of those. So th- okay. th- that that's my bold prediction. All right, I like it. My prediction for the score, I think it's going to be close. Eagles Giants are always close. I'm going to go Eagles 23, Giants 21. I think I agree with you. I think it's definitely going to be a one-score game. Probably going to come down to the end, especially with all these injuries for both teams. Um, bold prediction for me, I'm going to say Boston Scott finds the end zone twice, one rushing, one receiving. I think he's going to continue his success against the New York Giants. Um, so it's going to be interesting. It seems like Bobby and I are torn right now on who's going to win. And, you know, I feel like all the fan base is uh, so far, both for uh, the Giants and the Eagles, just because it's so inconsistent for both teams. So, Bobby, again, thank you so much for uh, joining me tonight. And, if you know, anybody – Giants fans, make sure you check out Talking Giants and Bobby on Twitter. For sure, sure. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Definitely. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Birds Banter Podcast. Make sure you're checking us out on social media, Birds Banter on Twitter, Birds Banter PHL on Instagram. We have great content on Instagram. Also, YouTube. Check out Birds Banter on YouTube. We're launching two new Birds Banter film room this week. Great new guests. We're breaking down film from the Steelers and Ravens game. I know these are past games, but it's still relevant. The Eagles are making the same positive and same negatives um, from each game week in and week out. So make sure you check those out. Great content coming on the way, but also a big Eagles game against the Giants on Thursday night. So again, thank you for supporting. Make sure you check us out and subscribe on your favorite platform. And until next week, go Birds.